Welcome to Tripping Over the Barrel, a series that highlights the unique personalities within the oil and gas industry and the stories they have to share with your hosts and lead storytellers, Tilo and Dr. Funkenstein. So, hey, Jeremy, for the last century, hard work and reliability have always been essential if you want to be successful in the oil field. Always. Today, you need real-time, actionable data that's just as reliable and hardworking as you. In order to see the full picture, you need energy intelligence you can count on. Frackscape combines advanced satellite imagery, mobile GPS, machine learning, and artificial intelligence to map the upstream supply chain in real time with pinpoint accuracy. Nice. That's crew by crew and truck by truck. Operators can avoid surprise frack hits, save money on crew costs, and benchmark their performance. Oilfield services can hunt ducks, win more deals, and beat the competition. Financial analysts don't have to wait for an earnings call to find out companies' latest moves. Don't wait. Work smarter, work harder, and join the energy intelligence revolution. Frackscape from Sourcewater. Learn more at sourcewater.com. What a week, Tim. I told I you, you what happened to me this week. I tell you, we weren't supposed to be recording this week. You weren't supposed to even be in the country, and bang, here we are. Here we are on a Friday morning at 7 a.m., my time, doing a podcast. Uh, yeah. Brutal, brutal. First world problems. Let me preface it by saying that could be a lot worse. We had booked a uh, timeshare. We have a timeshare thing in, in Mexico. We go to either Cabo San Lucas or Puerto Vallarta. So we were planning on going to Cabo San Lucas in December of last year. We'd, we'd had the flights booked probably a little over a year ago. Yeah, so, COVID, but COVID. Yeah, COVID, the cases were just raging. You had to take tests going in, coming back. It just didn't seem socially responsible and also just provided some risk, right? So we're like, you know what? Let's let's push it. This doesn't seem like we're going to wear a mask at the pool. Like, yeah. So we, we pushed it to June of 2021 with the hopes that, okay, COVID dies down. Maybe there's a vaccine. Things are, restrictions are loosened up, right? And lo and behold, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. So we're pumped, man. You know, I transitioned jobs, started a new company. I've been burning the wick at both ends. We packed up all of our crap, family of five, head down to Denver International, start checking in and realize our 10 and nine-year-old's passports expired a month ago. Don't. So we're not going anywhere, let alone Mexico. At the airport, you find that. That is unbelievable. Yeah. And I've got like the bat, you know, I'm pushing all the bags and I got things on my, and I'm making sure the baby doesn't run in front of a bus. Right. And uh, we're like, oh, so they've dealt with this before. <laughs> this is not yeah. the first time someone showed up with an expired passport at the, at the airport. Um, but certainly like total kick in the gut. We're making phone calls, moving flights, talking to the hotel, trying to figure it all out. Getting a passport is a total headache right now too. So we sort of figured it out. We're like, okay, it's a, it's a holiday weekend. So we're here on Saturday. It's midday. There's nothing we can do at all till Tuesday. Yeah, yeah you're not absolutely, going. Absolutely nothing. We're, we're like, okay, so the soonest we could possibly go, if we can somehow get a passport for these kids on Tuesday, is Wednesday. That didn't happen. Anyway, so we're sort of in line in queue to get a, uh, the passports renewed at some point, which is a challenge because they just the office has just opened up. with, with it's, it's a total headache. It's a total mess. Um, so we're hoping to go at the end of June, early July. We were able to sort of push stuff, spend some money on flights. The amount of logistical bullshit that I had to deal with <laughs> for this week has been insane. So I feel like I need a vacation from my missed vacation. That's that's absolutely crazy. I don't have I don't have that story, but 
I tell you, that's that's definitely going to go on my list of of uh, checklists. You 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 learn from everybody's mistakes. That's your, on the list now. Of hey, check passport dates. Just just PSA to to everybody out there. Uh, adults' passports, grownups' passports, every ten years. Kids expire every five. So I didn't have any reason to think that theirs would be much different than ours, but theirs are expired. Well, so let me bend you this one. So I was traveling. Well. I was going to downtown Houston, left my laptop in my the backseat of my truck, went into Best Buy to buy a flash drive or something like that. Yeah. And someone broke in my truck and stole my laptop. Oh, bag. perfect. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I got the laptop replaced and, you know, backup worked and, you know, getting restored. I'm back up and running the next day. And uh, come to realize that about a month later that my passport was actually in that bag, too. Oh, no. So I had to report it stolen, all kinds of great stuff. I go down and get it replaced. And, you know, about three months later, I'm on a trip to Europe. I get there, no problem. And now I'm at the airport in Schiphol in Amsterdam to fly home. And I'm checking in and with my replacement passport, which only lasts one year. And the lady says, uh, you need to go call the U.S. State Department. <laughs> Holy crap. So I go over to this phone and I call this guy and they, they are, they're ready for me. And it's a whole new set of interviews. You know, it is the mo- more intense than anything I went through on the actual replacing the lost passport. But now I'm over in Europe thinking, hell, I'm not getting home. Oh my so God. anyway, that was a, there was a, a moment of panic in there. Like, okay, I guess I'm going to be in uh, Amsterdam for a while. <laughs> It's not a fun feeling of panic. It is It is one of the worst and uh, debilitating. Again, first world problems. Happy to be here doing this. I'm like, well, Tim, if I'm going to be around, we might as well sneak in a, a podcast, right? I always have one in the chamber. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm guessing that uh, our two guests uh, being hailing from Russia yeah. have had their own passport kind of fun in the past. <laughs> I'd be curious, man. We, we, we'll give them a minute to think about that while we quickly introduce them. But um, Michael Maltsev and Nikolai Korniuk, a um, couple of the executives at a company called Rigger, R-I-G-E-R. Former guest Alex Flournoy had brought them to my attention maybe a year ago. He was just raving, right? going on and on and on about how great of a ERP, CRM efficient product this rig, Rigger product was, and that I should kind of put it on my radar since I'm an energy tech guy. Uh, and then heard from James Hahn, who's very well connected and said, hey, these guys are, are the tops. They've got a fantastic product. So I'm like, all right, I, I want to explore this. Got to know the uh, the team up there a little bit. It's it's interesting. Really good trajectory, even during COVID, um, you know, profitable, no debt, you know, very, very niche, very logical, um, and also a good social media presence. So wanted to bring these guys on. I think we kind of have a um, a fun day. So I will turn it over to, to Michael first. And then Nikolai, why don't you sort of give us your backgrounds and how both of it led to um, rigor? Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you for that uh, warm introduction. Uh, very funny story about travel. Uh, we travel a lot for sure, because uh, uh, we started the business in uh, uh, Canada almost 10 years ago and uh, traveling back and forth. Uh, to uh, US and Europe, uh, it's just a normal routine. So we living from, from one travel to another travel. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I have lots of stories about uh, travel and delays and uh, um, couldn't remember anything with passports because, you know, we try, <laughs> try to be prepared. 
Um, but it's very, very interesting that. Uh, uh, yeah, I would recommend that. Try to be prepared with the passports if you can. That's that's my yeah. advice. Yeah, uh, but uh, actually, the, uh, the the travel travel become become uh, more and more um, routine uh, thing, uh, especially when you fly from Canada to to US uh, and uh, back and forth. So yeah, maybe maybe Nikolai has uh, some. Some ideas uh, and uh, you know some memories about passports. Yeah. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for having us. Indeed, my name is Nikolai, and I'm here with Rigor for a few years now. And as um, already been mentioned, we do come from um, the country that used to be known as the USSR, but now it's a bunch of different countries. So I was born in uh, in Russia, far east part of it. So I technically, I call myself an Asian because I, it was easier for us to travel back, back to China and Japan. It was more of a weekend trip. Uh, that's where I was growing up and lived. But as far as the travel is going, um, I, I just remember one funny episode is uh, when we were actually, I was, I was in the States at the time, uh, having finished my graduate program at the University of Colorado. And then my wife and I at the time, um, pretty young newlyweds, were traveling back from US to Russia. And uh, back then, there were not so many different flights. So on, a, on an outbound flight, our, uh, our plane got some technical issues, so the flight was delayed. So we ended up arriving to Los Angeles with a connection to Southeast Asia later by, I think, five to, five to six hours. So we arrived late at night at a desk. It was, I think, around 11 p.m. in Los Angeles. International and the guy, the clerk saying, oh, we're going to fix you and um, have you connected in no time. I said, you might as well just check because our flights actually going once a week. Uh, and he said, no, 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 I'm going to fix you and you're going to fly to your hometown uh, pretty soon. I said, OK, just give it a shot. So sure. lo and behold, after 20 minutes standing in the desk around midnight in Los Angeles International, he was swearing profoundly but uh, I was right. So he wasn't able to find a good connection for us. So an American Airlines provided us with a week uh, with a week long vacation in Los Angeles. Simply there you go. Oh, hey, now that was a great story. So no passports mishaps involved. But I think due to the lack of the travel destinations and routes, we got to enjoy um, LAX in uh, August um, in early 2000s. Wow, but so there's one flight a week. So yeah. you, I mean, that's that's crazy because you just assume there's always it's everyday flight, but one flight a week. I mean, yeah, if you miss that, it's over. Yes, that's what happened. <laughs> they have an algorithm for sure. <clears throat> Tim, how about these accents, man? I love, I love it. I love it. I, and I don't. I feel like I don't talk to as many Russians. There, there were more. You know, I, <clears throat> I'm Jewish. There were a lot of Russian Jews that um, I went to college with that were. Uh, you know, had either moved over or their parents moved over and then had them over here. And I think with the accent too, I've talked to some of my Russian friends about this. It's like, if you, if you move to the U S or Canada after puberty, it's too late, right? Your voice has changed and now you have the Russian, right? But instead, if you, if you get here and it's before puberty, then you talk really without any accent or very minimal accent. So it's interesting. You have like the, the way families talk, their parents speak differently than the kids, you know? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I, I love hearing it. Um, it is fun. Actually, you know, I find listening to someone speaking Russian is actually, it's, it feels like it's one of those, 
sometimes it feels like they're arguing when they're just having always, a pleasant conversation. Always, yeah, right. right? You are not the first one who've noticed that. So some of our American friends and colleagues said, "Are you guys arguing when we're talking in Russian?" We said, "No, we actually having a pleasant conversation." Yeah, we're just talking about ordering pizza. <laughs> yes, exactly. It is. No, that's funny. I, I didn't. I mean, it's a it's a complicated language. I think that was actually offered at Brandeis, and like Russian and uh, Chinese were the more complicated languages. I went with Spanish because you know it was the easiest. Oh, one. you speak Spanish? Poquito, amigo. <laughs> Supposed to be in Mexico right now, talking there Spanish. Um, so, so how do you go from I guess you know the USSR, Russia to uh, Canada? I mean, I, I sure you must like cold places, right? So that had something to do with it. Well, not really, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think you go when you open your mind. I think my first travel was, since I lived in the Far East part of Russia, I traveled to Japan, uh, more in Korea, on the job at the time. Uh, but then I think we grew up when um, the Hollywood was pretty, um, what's the word to say, pervasive and getting the message out in a, in a good way. So everybody wanted to visit the States. I think in North America was generally an interesting continent to kind of see how things are evolving, especially the development of the technologies and the businesses. Uh, and then I think um, I made a couple of trips before uh, planning a permanent move. And it was very interesting. New York, New York one was one of the places when I visited first in North America. Very impressive place. It was uh, busy, bustling, and uh, well-developed. So you just then uh, make a plan, especially when the uh, the borders are more or less open. Uh, there's policies allowing you to travel anywhere. I think right now, um, I bet you don't know how many people from the Eastern Europe or Russia or any other country actually are visiting the United States on a, uh, not necessarily on a travel, but not, not in the COVID times, but um, uh, as a student, as a work in permit um, sure, holder, sure. visa holder, because now we live in a, I, in my mind, it's just boundaryless world. And I think I like that more because if people can go learn, immerse, and then uh, go back, go other places and keep hopping because worlds become a smaller place. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I, I was accepted to get a graduate degree in the States and that made an impact. So I went to Denver finished my tier program, went back home, uh, and then um, thought, well, maybe uh, we can go back up and uh, see what life in Canada looks like. So we just applied, got accepted, and um, here we are. D did you like living in Colorado? You know, I live just outside of Boulder. I was curious what your your feel was, it, uh, what it was here for it's you. It's very sunny, and I think this is yeah. one of the things that really makes Calgary and Denver sister cities in that way and um it's very sunny is the weather is again we're in the foothills of the rockies um so it's dry climate it's pretty cold in the winter can get windy we have a lot of chinooks here in calgary where the weather changes Love on those. time and it can again can go into the positive uh after the long spell of negative temperatures um generally i like it but one thing that i remember about denver in my first year or even first i think four months i was there I was short of breath. Definitely the high altitude and the impact. Uh, and I was walking to and back from the university, I think, first times. And uh, so you keep walking and you do feel the difference. But, you know, sunny weather makes a lot of um, sort of makes up for a lot of this initial hardship. But generally, I think I like that city. And I actually visited it last year. 
it's nice. a different place. So it's grown so tremendously. Still a, a bustling place and airport is very busy. Um, but the memories, good memories are um, always going to be remaining about uh, Denver. Are there any Russian restaurants or, or kind of surprised? Yeah. So one thing that I got very um, and my wife get very surprised by how many Russian grocery stores are in Denver area. So you'll be surprised how many people actually live there. There was actually a program between the um, Moscow and, um, and uh, University of Denver and as well as the UCD at the time um, for student exchange. So I was surprised to see a lot of Moscow undergrad students actually on premises and there were hundreds of them. And uh, so and there were a lot of different uh, other Russian sort of outlets, including the restaurants as well. So you guys would just get together and eat some borscht? No, you'll be. I mean, we've had that before, right? So we wanted to try something. I like borscht. We didn't have to. We didn't have to do the borscht stuff. So we actually went and indulged in more of a Mexican cuisine, uh, which is a great thing. So I think there are a couple of nice establishments right on Larimer Street. Um, exquisite restaurant. Mexico City. Mexico yeah. City's one. Did you go yeah. to Mexico City? I no way. He no way he knows what Mexico City is. Mexico City restaurant, no, but I know Tamayo restaurant right there on the Larry. Oh, that, well, of course, that, that classic. Yeah, that, that's classic. a staple, and uh, and a few other places right there. So I think that's that's what the exposure was. Uh, Jeremy and I used to uh, make a regular trip to this little restaurant, a little dive hole in the wall next to a distill a dispensary. Now, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. fried tacos. <laughs> they were, it, you know, the best thing ever for getting a pitcher of beer and sitting down and eating these fried tacos. They're fantastic, but you could just feel your your arteries clogging as you're mm-hmm. eating those things. Yep, yep. Right. Prepare for <clears throat> prepare for a nap after uh, Mexico City lunch. So, Michael, uh, I'm curious about your path to uh, Calgary and and the starting of rigor. I wonder if you can kind of just give your background. Um, yeah, <clears throat> it was quite, quite lots of geography in my in my history. Uh, so traveling uh, and living in different countries. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, my first time um, I, I participated in, um, in uh, the uh, Community Connections program, which is funded by the uh, U.S. Uh, State Department, and uh, uh, it was an exchange program uh, for uh, a business. Uh, and I've been in uh, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, uh, and, and it was uh, it was in two thousand uh, it was it was kind of a first experience uh, being in the uh, U.S. Yes, and there's not too many Russian grocery stores in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Jackson. It's a very it's a very specific place, uh, and uh, for for me it was like a first time when I uh, see the um, the American uh, uh, people, uh, and uh, it was quite quite unique and very interesting experience. Then it was uh, New Orleans. Uh, uh, and uh, it was was a fantastic, uh, fantastic uh, uh, trip because uh, uh, we had uh, um, lots of lots of business meetings. Uh, so uh, small uh, businesses in different parts, uh, um, different different organizations, consulting companies, uh, uh, accounting companies. But my background is accounting finance, and I was exchanged at the 
finance, uh, um, finance focusing. So banking, accounting, all, all that. Uh, uh, very, very interesting. And uh, it, that that trip was eye-opening for me. And uh, I start uh, um, um, to educate myself and educate others. So I um, moved to uh, university and start delivering different courses, uh, uh, financial courses for students. Uh, and uh, educate my, continue my educations, uh, get my um, uh, master in finance and uh, then uh, MBA. Uh, and was was the second internship. Uh, I was uh, um, after a few years uh, in Ohio, uh, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. So completely different story, <laughs> completely different America. And, I was going to say. Uh, that's a strike, striking difference between Jackson, Mississippi, and Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah, yeah, same yeah. River. It's on the same river, though, right? It's the same river, yeah, but uh, it's it's very, very, very um, different places. But uh, was quite quite good as well. So uh, lots of lots of visits. Uh, see how uh, Cleveland uh, converted from the industrial. To the medical center, especially the uh, center of the city, and uh, it was quite quite interesting experience at Cleveland Clinic and uh, uh, all other uh, places. So, uh, and uh, you know, when you when you have that kind of uh, trips, and uh, I have been in internship in Germany as well, uh, then uh, um, I've got married, and uh, you know, uh, and it was not my decision to move to Canada. So. Uh, my wife told you know we're going because uh, yeah, the man <laughs> the man has one choice in the life and the rest is just uh, you know follow follow the rules uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah I, I um, uh, run a, a similar business uh, uh, in Belarus uh, and uh, when I moved to Canada and uh, happened to I'm being very lucky to be placed uh, uh, in oil and gas, I, I really enjoyed oh, yeah. the industry. I really enjoyed the the the, the attitude and uh, hardworking people, uh, risk takers, uh, and uh, it was was quite a quite a surprise for me. Like then the industry uh, going up and down, uh, and uh, it's was quite shocking first couple of years uh, but in general i really like the the industry really like the attitude and uh, uh, I, I realized that there is a good possibility to make this industry even better uh, uh, providing new technologies to uh, all food service companies because when we we talk about digitalization say for example five seven uh, ten years ago uh, we only talk about operators Nobody cares about the uh, service providers uh, and uh, rental companies, which uh, I used to work uh, as a CFO. Uh, and uh, um, we tried, we trying to catch uh, around uh, three thousand rental units, and it was really tough uh, on different types of Excel spreadsheets. We had uh, twenty-five field technicians and five dispatchers. Uh, it uh, was very fast moving environment. Uh, uh, the telecom providers were well, last mile solution for uh, oil field in Western Canada and North Dakota, and uh, it was really tough to uh, you know uh, create the full picture of what is available where and uh, other stuff. So because the every field tech has three to five jobs with uh, 
five to seven different rental units, uh, moon uh, locations uh, every single day. And uh, it's quite eyes-opening uh, experience because uh, uh, the those 25 guys, they send 25 Excel spreadsheets uh, and the dispatchers start manipulating with those and uh, creating one uh, final source of truth. And what they will do next day, same thing. Let's do it all again. Thing, yeah. and, send, and again and again and again. So, uh, and um, again, uh, because uh, uh, previously I uh, was involved in the software development and I realized that there is an opportunity uh, to, you know, create something uh, to help uh, companies like mine uh, and move forward. And uh, we started developing 10 years ago, uh, established the company nine years ago. And the uh, first three years was really rough and uh, uh, tough uh, experience uh, because uh, as soon as we started, and again, this was probably a mistake, we started without client uh, or without money. And uh, that is why it was very, very slow. So the first prototype <laughs> we create uh, and nope. uh, start selling yeah. it was year and a half for the first client wow. and wow. then half of the year uh, for the second. Uh, it was uh, an experience, uh, but again, uh, it was, was fun. It was fun uh, and uh, interesting. Uh, but right now it's a completely different story. We are growing uh, through the client's request uh, from, from very simple application, uh, tracking equipment uh, to the uh, fully uh, integrated uh, operational tool uh, for all the service and for companies. So, Michael, what is the, who is your client? You said oil field service companies, but is it a Schlumberger or is it a smaller it's guy? Like a, yeah, it's like rental, it's rental service companies, right? So I think if you need a, I mean, I know it's his company, but but just giving you my understanding why it's it's so niche is because it's equipment rental companies. So if you have a compressor, or any any sort of like field park service I, I there you, for a day, right? I can tell you that nowadays anything could be, and, and most of the parts uh, uh, in the oil field is renting from 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 rig to uh, downhaul tools, uh, um, the, the surface equipment, light towers, generators, uh, um, trailers, uh, like uh, like everything. Porta potties. Porta potties. Absolutely, absolutely. Portaboris is a, is a, a, a one of our type of our clients. So we have several uh, clients who who run those uh, fast moving and very complex business. True. Yeah, it's uh, it's lots like everything. So we we have lots of uh, uh, clients who um, very spe specializing on on the particular equipment. So. Um, for example, downhole uh, one one of the thing, um, the uh, surface equipment like light towers and uh, uh, equipment rental um, generators. So we um, working with uh, with the focus of the uh, rental equipment because uh, when we started developing, just uh, um, start raising questions about maintenance, inspections, uh, repairs. 
uh, rework, which is a third party repairs, uh, etc. So there are lots of um, sub industries which uh, uh, use use uh, use rear, like um, agreement completion. Um, uh, I don't know <laughs> lots of lots of different clients. Yeah, sure. So who? Um, well, I guess do you guys host the data for these companies, or you're selling the technology to them, training them, and they're using it? Um, the rigger itself uh, is a, a SaaS uh, solution. So um, the main database uh, located in the cloud, we're hosting this, um, uh, and uh, we connect mobile applications uh, to this cloud as well. So, and uh, definitely we educate them, uh, and uh, a big part of our um, engagement with the client is the uh, training and education, understanding how they run the business and uh, uh, how we can help them. Because um, the, the way how they run business is the, the main differentiator for the uh, service company. Uh, so, because equipment is the same, people are the same, uh, different culture and different way how they uh, do the business and this is this is what we we see every single time to me uh, it, it you're dealing with remote operations and in, in a lot of cases right and you're dealing with short-term rentals tim you could see how complicated that could get really quickly you have 60 oh, yeah. vendors like what if you're drilling eight wells on a on a pad right and you've got i don't know three dozen different service people coming in all day, some of them with multiple products at various different price points coming at different times, right? Is your company man there then? Who's who's at the, the well site, the drill site at the time? Uh, supply chain in oil and gas is complicated. Yeah, and you've got not just the operator who's renting the equipment, but even the service companies are renting equipment from other service Somebody companies. Else. Right, right. No, it's that whole, that whole workflow. No, I, I've, I found it to be interesting and, and almost educational. I didn't, I was like, right, of course, this makes so much sense. I just deal with back office more. So didn't, didn't think about it as much. Um, so Nikolai question, question for you. Um, how did you guys meet? How did you and Michael come across each other? And, and, uh, did you start this thing together? Did he find you? How did this all come about? This is an interesting, uh, question indeed. Um, so first, Years when we moved, my family and I moved to Canada. We lived in Victoria, British Columbia, so it's on the Pacific coast. Oh, and then that's really nice. I've heard that's beautiful. It is. It is a lovely. It's called, I think, the Garden City. So there's a lot of flowers. It's blossoming all year round. But then at a certain point in time, when our daughter grew grew up a little, so my wife um, got her professional designations and designation. And since Victoria is more of a retirement community, there weren't as many jobs available. So we decided to move. And not necessarily, as Michael said, we, it was not my decision, but it was decided that we're moving. So it's always, <laughs> off, it's always following a woman. Compromise. I think, you know, there's a saying here that I've heard happy wife, happy life. There's definitely truth to that. I've heard that. I've heard that. And uh, so, anyway, so we moved. We moved to Calgary. Um, and um, then at the time, I didn't know anybody. Uh, but of course, we just network as in any uh, and among Russian or former uh, Russian immigrants. There's communities, there's places people go and meet. And I get engaged with a group of people that were actually a startup at a certain point in time. Um, 
developing an interesting technology. Some of the people moved on into the Bay Area after that. And and at one of those meetings, I think I met Michael. Uh, and he was just introduced to me as a guy who was just building an interesting and simplifying business using accounting software. And I was said, okay, so that's it. And uh, then we moved apart, I guess. So I mean, just we met in an event and then I moved my way. I found a, another job uh, where I've spent, um, I think, almost a couple of years. Then I moved back to Calgary. And then um, again, LinkedIn is a good place because right after that time, I think we connected the initial visit, the initial meeting, we connected on LinkedIn. And then I was just, uh, when I'm back, when I was back in town, I was re- looking who's where. And uh, Michael's name came up because he's always been active on social media, as far as I remember. Yep. And yep, we yep. just sat down for coffee. So we sat down for coffee and I said, how things are going? What are you up to? And he said, well, here's my business and uh, we have interesting clients and I'm doing the software. And he said, so what are you interested in? And I said, well, I definitely want to build uh, or be part of a you know a group of people that are building an interesting solution and um, we, and 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 especially in the software space. Uh, it was not all in guess at the time. I didn't even, I mean, I knew that we are on the capital of the headquarters of the oil and gas in Canada, uh, but I wasn't involved in oil and gas at all at the time. It was more architecture, engineering, and science and research. Uh, another part that I was more involved in in my career, as well as logistics. Um, and then uh, we sat down and we discussed what the business needed. And I said, well, let's just give it a shot and see how it can, what, what we can do together. And then after that, now I think it's been more than three years that we've been, um, we've been doing it together with a with growing team. And I should say that um, uh, when when you will ask me how 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 you grow the business. So uh, initially, I was a sole uh, uh, entrepreneur, uh, and uh, uh, I um, met uh, with many persons uh, via LinkedIn. And when I when I hired the first person, um, uh, first employee, uh, the business was doubled. And I think, oh, it's a, it's a good good sign. When I hired the second, uh, the business doubling as well. When I hired the third one, uh, which was Nikolai, the business doubling, and and it was like, damn man, this is <laughs> this is a secret. Look like uh, a- they start hiring more, and it doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> at some point you have to stop doubling. <laughs> nice, I love that. I love that perspective. So let me ask you, is the, the business rigor is obviously it's growing, it's, it's doing fairly well, uh, a lot of great feedback that we've heard from, you know, various people who use it. Is it primarily, you know, still mostly Canada clients or have you guys successfully made the move down south into the U.S.? Let me take that, Michael. I think uh, originally uh, it was all Canada focused because you know, Michael's area of business was only Canadian oil and sure. gas. But then when he started, when he got a first call from the U.S., he brushed it off saying, oh, no, guys, it's not for the U.S., it's for the Canada. But the guys on the other side of the line said, no, 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 just tell us a little bit more about what it is and let us decide whether it's for the U.S. or for Canada. And he just said, okay. So he explained the system, did a quick demo, and he said, you know, that there is no much difference between the two. 
and we will gladly take it if the price is right. And since that moment, our business has been prevalently in the United States. So more clients are now in the U.S. and in Canada. And especially since uh, I think uh, the Canadian oil and gas has been living through hard times due to the local policies and the price and then the COVID. So um, the U.S. has been filling in and taking on and more uh, of a share in our portfolio. Yeah, yeah. And that, that'll probably continue, right? I mean, people okay. feel time to talk. We have we have uh, lots of clients who are dealing uh, with the Canadian and uh, U.S. and international markets, so uh, international uh, corporations, uh, which uh, different different representations. But uh, most of our clients uh, in U.S. and uh, primarily uh, in Texas. And one of the things we also offer is that there's a Canadian company that wants to actually move into the U.S. market. We know how it's been done. We have um, interesting perspective on how it is, and we have a system that can enable your oil field service business actually to open shops in the state. So we can be instrumental in that to some of the Canadian businesses as well. So that's one of the things that we offer to the Canadian companies. So a company that's uh, doing providing rental services to for various equipment porta potties, let's say in uh, in in Calgary, could. Use, using riggers can be a lot easier for them to move move south if that's the direction they want to head. Yes, that is correct. Uh, yeah, and rigger, rigger uh, again as any as any tool uh, which uh, you know structurize your business and uh, uh, put uh, your uh, processes in order uh, give you a, a great possibility to scale the business because you already uh, set up everything and sometimes we. We see that our clients open new shops, and we not even uh, heard about that because they add more, one more division uh, to their um, um, database and start, uh, you know, continue the operations uh, in different locations. And uh, we not even notice that. The only, the only uh, way we we heard about that, uh, they just ask us to add new users and new licenses, and that's it. Man, this is this has been a lot of fun, you guys. I, I really uh, appreciate learning about your background. Certainly interesting and diverse, and um, and, and where the company's going. Continue to hear good things, and, and wish you guys the best success. Quick question though, before we jump off here, are you guys are you guys hockey fans? Just have to ask. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yes, I think that's a requirement by law, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Especially when you have the uh, um, Russian and uh, Canadian background. I was going to say uh, Russia and Canada. You better be into hockey, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Especially, not. Yesterday, yesterday uh, you know, uh, we had a dramatic uh, um, uh, hockey uh, uh, between between Russia and Canada. So, oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the World Championship, uh, so it was a, a core final. Uh, um, and uh, Canada, Canada won in overtime. Who do you so, root for? Both. I, 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm cheered for for hockey. <laughs> hockey wins. Very, very it's, diplomatic. It's, yeah, it's very, it's very tough choice. So I, I know no right answer for that. Yeah, we're just we're for a good game. I think that's the most important. And as far as the legal requirement, I think in Canada. It is officially a religion. Oh, it's yeah. just yeah. the one, the Church of Hockey, 
the one that runs in the prime time on a Saturday night. There is no other show that is uh, shown here on every Saturday night. And um, Hockey Night Canada, that's what the main yeah. show of the week is. Okay, guys. So we've entered into the topic of religion. We always said we would never talk about religion on the show. So I guess we're going to have to cut it here. Uh, all kidding aside, it's been great having you guys on. Uh, great episode. Uh, love to hear more from you guys. And anyone who's interested and wants to talk to Rigor, uh, the best way to contact them is at their website, rigor, I-R-I-G-E-R dot U-S. Thank you, everybody.